0: a podcast from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. You're listening to Inspire On The Go. It's your weekly dose of fun, encouragement, real-life conversations, and all things women's ministry. Regularly featuring segments from Andrea's radio show, Truth On The Go. If you find yourself on the go, then this is the podcast for you. Now, welcome your host, Andrea Lennon, as we talk about all the great truths that we can take with us as we go through our day. Hey, sweet friends. It's Andrea. I hope that your day is off to a very good start today. Oh, my goodness. God is so good. Do you ever just start your day and just say, thank you, Lord, for life and breath? Like we always have something to be thankful for. I remember years ago when I would take my kids to school every morning and we would pray on the way and I would remind them that today God has given you a chance to walk on his earth and to breathe his air. And that means we have so much to be thankful for. So in the midst of the busyness and the craziness and the roles and the responsibilities Responsibilities and all the things going on in your life, just remember that God sees you. He loves you. He knows you. He has a plan for your life. And today he has given you life and he has given you breath. So let's use it for the glory of God. I am back with my good friend, Tracy Lindsay from Tetelestad House. Thank you so much for joining us for another program on Truth On The Go. Thank you for having me back. You are quite the radio professional. I have a face for radio. No, Whatever. You are so beautiful. But the first time that I did a radio show... No kidding. I went home and told my boys about it and my son, my oldest, and I don't remember how old he was at the time. He goes without even making a face or anything just straight he goes, "Well, mom, you have a face for radio." And I was like, "Son." He's like, "That was so good, mom." And so then I put it on social media like, "My son said I have a face for radio." And then all the world, not really all the world, but perhaps a small portion of Arkansas was like, "You have a beautiful face." And so, anyway, that just reminded me of that. So you have a beautiful face, especially thinking about your story and all that you've been through. Last week, we talked about it, about your journey from addiction, uh, specifically addiction to methamphetamines and what else? Morphine?
1: Uh, Prescription medication, alcohol, methamphetamine, uh, marijuana, anything I could get my hands on, basically.
0: And I'm sure that did affect your your countenance and your physicality and your looks, what was that like on your body?
1: Uh, when I graduated high school, I was in top shape. Um, and when I was arrested at 33, I weighed about 115 pounds, um, very few teeth. You could feel every bone in my body. Uh, it was it was not a pretty sight. Because sin it impacts every
0: part of our body, physically, spiritually, emotionally, you know, on, on all levels. And so I look at you today and you are a picture of God's grace because you have a radiance, number one, that comes from that love within you that, that is only given by Christ and it is all glory to God, but also just so beautiful and tall and just, I mean, just beautiful inside and out. And so I am so thankful for that. So if you listened to last week's program, you heard about Tracy and her journey from addiction to ministry and how you met Christ in prison and how your life was totally and radically changed by the gospel. And so when we finished our program last week, we left you at the fact that you had just gotten out of prison. You started into ministry. You joined a local church, but you were still probably trying to figure out your way. And so tell us a little bit about the journey from post-prison to, to Telestat House. What was that like?
1: So I knew that I had been saved for more than a church pew. Um, i went to church for several weeks and i sat there every sunday and every wednesday and i thought okay god there's more to it than this Um, and i had a little job waitressing um, in the in the little town i lived in and and i just remember thinking god you saved me for more than this Um, but one day i'm a doer i'm a woman and i'm a doer and i know that so i'll try to help god sometimes I'm um, was guilty. I would, uh, guilty. <laughs> I would apply for a job and the door would get slammed, and I was stuck where I was at, and I wasn't sure why. Um, and then one one of my customers one day he said, "You know, we didn't talk about Jesus before you started working here." And I thought, "Okay, I'm in the right spot. Then this is where I'm at right now, and I'm good with that." Um, but I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip. Uh, my first mission trip was to Oklahoma. Walked into the Osage Indian Baptist Church and and met with a gentleman there who does jail ministry um, in the Pawhuska County Jail and just immediately clicked with him and had the opportunity to share my story with him. And he invited me into the jail. And later that year, he he asked me if I would be interested in doing jail ministry with him. And honestly, I did not want to go. Uh, I just remember thinking I had went out there to do vacation Bible school, and I really liked that. And I thought, OK, that's going to be my ministry. I've been called to do vacation Bible school. Um, but that wasn't it. And I, I wrestled with the Lord over it. And finally, one day I went out and I met with the captain of of the jail and I shared my story with him. And he said, you're exactly who we're looking for. I think I think these women here could connect with your story. Um, And so for the first time in February of 2012, I got to walk into a county jail with the opportunity to leave when I was ready. And I met with six women that night. And when they came in and sat down, I was I was dressed kind of like I am today. And I was like, ladies, I know where you're at. And they look at me like church lady, you don't know me. And then I shared my story with them, and you could literally see hope in their face. Um, If she could quit after 16 years, why couldn't I? And I just let them know that, like you said earlier, where you're at right now does not have to define who you are forever. Um, So just taking in a message of hope inside that county jail. And that night, in that small county jail, I found my purpose, and I found my passion, and I found the reason that the Lord saved me. Um, and I have been doing jail ministry ever since. So I want to ask you, what was it like going into that it jail? It was so scary. I, bet. I I was certain to make sure I was going to get to leave. Uh, I remember telling the my friend went with me and she was going to let the door go. And just the slamming of the doors inside the jail. Uh, I think I had a little PTSD built up in me from that because I was like, don't slam the door. And she thinks like we're going to go to jail for it. She's like, why? Because it freaks me out. Right. right <laughs> just right. quietly shut it. Right. Um, but it was it was scary for me. Um, And I was listening on the way down uh, a sermon on Jonah, and that's kind of how I felt like I did not want to go back in. That was outside my comfort zone for sure. Do you think it was that you
0: had to face the person that you were, or do you think it was maybe just bad memories? how deep was it? You
1: know, I think fear is a liar. And I think that a lot of that that day was from the enemy. And he knew that God was going to do something powerful inside that jail. Uh, And throughout that ministry, we saw women come to faith in Christ, become baptized, join the church, have jobs, become productive members of society.
0: Absolutely. We know that the liar comes to steal, kill and destroy and that Jesus, he came to give life. And so that's a good word for us to remember. Sometimes we got to just dig deep and push through that fear, knowing that there is a greater purpose that God is doing in that moment. So you went and you did your first jail ministry and you left. Did you leave knowing you would do it again? Or did you think, I'm so glad that's over? No,
1: I left thinking, when do I get to come back? Uh, And I drove, I lived in Omaha, Arkansas, and every month, one Saturday a month, I would get off work from waitressing at two o'clock. I would leave my house by three and I would drive four and a half hours to Pawhuska. I would go into the jail that night. We would stay on the reservation and I would drive back for church the next morning. I absolutely loved it. Immediately, I just felt this passion and just this burning desire to let these women know that there is a way out, that that this is not what they were created for. If they could ever wrap their mind around what God thinks of them, Mm -hmm. who he says they are, then that felony behind your name means nothing
0: that's so powerful okay so is there a story from that particular time that stands out as just a wow kind of god story
1: there is um actually a few years later i had the opportunity to take some ladies from tetelestai house to that county jail and they were able to go in and share and after we left we went through the drive-through at mcdonald's and only god could do this The lady working the window when we got up to get our food, she said, hey, you're that lady from jail. And she had been in there a couple of years before. And I had shared with her and she's like, I just appreciate everything you've done. And the girls are in the backseat just completely blown away. Like, how does she remember you? And God had just ordained that time. Absolutely. And he
0: was doing multiple things. You know, I say it all the time. God's not doing one thing. He's doing a hundred things because he's God, you know? And so he was encouraging you. He was encouraging that young woman who was, you know, working at McDonald's to see you, that you're still serving. You're still clean. You're still doing the thing called life. And then he was encouraging all those women who were from the Totella side of the house who were brand new in their journey and saying like, there is a future. There is a hope. So he was just doing so many things in that moment. That is a wow story. I love that. Okay, so on the other side of the break, we're going to come back and we're going to hear the story of Tetelestad House, which is your ministry. And I cannot wait to see all the ways that God moved and worked in order to make that happen. In just a moment, Andrea will return with a final thought. If you would like to hear more of her teachings, visit andrealennonministry.org. It is the ultimate website for the girl on the go with Bible studies, video sessions, podcasts, books, and down-to-earth blogs straight from Andrea's heart. Be sure and subscribe so that you can stay connected. Again, that's AndreaLennonMinistry.org. Now, let's hear a final truth from Andrea. All right, we're back with Tracy Lindsay from Tetelestad house and we're hearing her incredible story of redemption. The way God works is just beyond what we can fathom. It truly is a picture of more than what we can ask for, what we can create within ourselves based on our resources or our wisdom or our experiences. God plots our redemption. And not only does he plot our redemption, he just uses everything for our good and for his glory. And we see that in your story, Tracy. It's so powerful. So thank you for sharing your your life with us. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. All right. So we want to really dig into to tell us that house and how God, you know, used um, your past in order to plot your future. So tell us about that journey from doing jail ministry to actually a formalized ministry.
1: You know, I saw a need Um, when you go into the county jail, you see the same faces over and over again. It was just a revolving door. Um, Continued to see the same women every week. One would get out and she would be back by the time I got back down there. So you would go to your local
0: jail? Yes,
1: I was doing ministry in Oklahoma as well as Boone County. And I was in Boone County twice a month at that time. And I would go in and the women would say, I want to go home. I want to go home. And I knew they did. I remembered. I remembered the cycle. And one day I saw that one of the girls had gotten out and I was in there three days later. And so was she. And she just wanted to go home. Um, But... When I sat down and I asked the ladies one night, I had eight women one night, and I asked them, where are you going when you leave here? Six out of the eight women were going back to the house they were arrested at. So I immediately saw a need. But as I shared earlier, I'm a doer and I can help God. um, But I began to pray and I just asked God to enlarge my territory. How else can I impact the lives of these women? But what could I do on a greater level to impact his kingdom? And I just made it a matter of prayer, shared my heart with my pastor and with my husband. And God just began to blow up. You mentioned your
0: husband. And
1: so we don't know that part of your story. So tell us about your husband. Is he back in your life at this point? What's going on? He is back in my life at this point. God is so good in that he honored each and every prayer that I prayed on that prison bed every day. Um, When I was released from prison, uh, I began to date my husband and we dated for several months and God has completely restored that marriage. We recently bought our our first house. Um, We have our three children. We have four grandchildren. And, and God's just given us a life that we never imagined possible. And I think that I remember you
0: shared with me at some point that there were times when you tried to divorce each other, but it didn't work out. Right. right. Or, I don't know. How did that happen?
1: Right. There were, there were times that, that he would want a divorce and, and I would say no. And there were times I would want one and he would say no. And, and God, he sees the end from the beginning. So he already saw us on the other side of all of that mess. Um, and he, he just he held us together even when we didn't know him.
0: That is such a beautiful picture of his grace and his sovereignty, his providence, his plan. He is holding us together even when we do not know it. And so you were with your husband. You were restored in your marriage. God was working and moving. You saw a need there in Boone County for a place for women who are incarcerated to be able to have a safe place in order to, maybe restart their life and so you went to
1: your pastor and said i have this idea and he said go for it i said i have this burden on my heart to help these women i speak to them maybe an hour and a half a month and i think there's more that i can do i think there's more that we can do as a community and he joined me in prayer and we prayed to the point where i said okay god you have me where you want me and i am good with this season and as soon as i got to that point then a couple at our church stood up and said, you know, we've been praying for about a year and, and we have this house on our property that we're not using and we want to give that to a ministry for women. And wow! Thought, just like that, that's when I, how when I had moves. given it to God, that's when he gave it back to us. Um, and that's when Tetelestai mm-hmm. was, was born. And we took in our first resident in April of 2014 and we recently took in our 26th resident. That is amazing. And I can't
0: even begin to imagine the individual lives that are touched through this ministry, but also the collective lives you know, the husbands, the children, the moms, the dads, the community. And that is the thing about God. We talked about it in the other program. Sin is serious and it reaches and it touches every part of our life, but redemption is powerful and it reaches and touches every part of our life. And so you took in your first resident and you just slowly saw the ministry grow. Is
1: that true? We took it our first resident flying by the seat of our pants, not even knowing what we were doing, just knowing that we wanted to meet a need in our community. And and God began to grow me. Um, he began to grow our ministry. A board of directors was formed and the ministry just took off. We've seen so many success stories. Um, they're hard to even name. But on paper, we house four women for one year but we reach into the lives of their mothers, their fathers, their sisters and brothers and their children. We've watched mothers who had not seen their children for years be reunited with their families. We've watched women who hadn't paid rent in 15 years become independent and self-sustainable and fully reliant on God and, and not another man in their life or a drug dealer. Um, we've watched mothers and fathers, we've watched a father come to faith in Christ because he saw the work that God was doing in his daughter's life. That is so powerful. So whenever a woman comes out of
0: incarceration and they join the ministry there at Tetelestad House, what does that process look like for them?
1: You know, each and every each and every woman is individually different. Their needs as they come to us are each unique. Um, we typically we pick them up from the county jail with the clothes on their back. And that is all they have. Um, so the community comes together, and they meet their needs, and clothing is provided, food is provided. Um, the first 30 days, they're in class, eight hours a day, and they too are hand-fed the Word of God. And they're taught who Jesus is, what He did for them, and who they can become in Him. And ultimately, they see their need for a Savior. They come to faith in Christ We help them to get an education. If that's where they're at in life, we help them to become employed. If that's where they're at, whatever their needs are to just acclimate back into society and become a productive member.
0: So it's individual and unique, probably for each person that comes through. Each and every girl is different. Absolutely. All right, so for the person who's listening that says, I really want to get involved in jail ministry. Maybe they have a past or a loved one that has, you know, been incarcerated. And so there's a passion there. Maybe they're just sensing the stirring of the Holy Spirit. I know that you have some real practical tips for us when it comes to jail ministry. So what are some things that you encourage people to do?
1: You know, pray. Um, in this season of my life, the Lord has me placed in jail ministry, and I absolutely love what we do there. Um, I, I think each and every one of us have a calling on our life and a purpose to pursue. And if it's a jail ministry, pray about that. Meet with the leadership at the jail. Look into your local church that you're networking in and and see if there's anyone else interested. I never advise anyone to go in alone. Don't be a lone ranger and a renegade. Um, But you know, Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. So pray and get a group of people together and see the need in your community. Um, It's sort of a lost culture, the jail is. And when we go in, every time we go, we share the gospel every single time. Because if you meet Sally, this tonight, say you go in tonight and you meet Sally, Sally may be gone tomorrow and you may never see her again. And you don't want her to miss the chance to respond to the gospel. Um, the main thing is, you know, I, I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I didn't respond the first time. I didn't respond the 21st time. But each time someone told me about Jesus and what he did for me, that was a seed sown. So it's easy to want to get the harvest, um, but we're seed sowers and, and we go in and we sow and we water and, and the Lord gets the harvest. Yes and i think that's such a great reminder for us
0: because we have to have the big picture perspective that we are probably one piece of the puzzle and god ultimately sees the finished you know product and we are limited in our vision there. So when you go in and you are interacting with someone in a prison setting, I think you probably have to be sensitive to the fact that there's a whole lot of hurt, a lot of pain. And it may be disguised with anger or a sense of aloofness or rudeness or something like that. But I would think that all of that is rooted probably in fear and pain and and just a lack of hope. So looking back at your time in the prison and you know encountering people coming in what are just some practical things that we can do as we go into the prison to really try to reach them
1: our main thing them coming is a voluntary basis Um, if they want to be there they come and you know we we meet them where they're at as well Um, we understand that that lost people act lost Um, we don't expect them to come in and know what the word propitiation means uh, we we too try to meet them where they're at and and just show them love. When I ask our residents what is the main thing that impacted you as far as jail ministry goes, that you came, just that you came. I had an opportunity recently to drive to another county to uh, to visit an inmate that we had met in Boone County, and she had been transported and she was on to, on her way to prison, and we had the opportunity just to go down and visit with her and pray with her. And she was blown away by the fact that we would just come that far to see her. And that's the least we can do. And it's what Jesus did. He met
0: people where they were. He loved them in that place, but he never wanted to leave them there. And so having that perspective of the gospel, of wanting to share that hope, of wanting to plant that seed and then trusting God with the outcome. I think that gives us freedom as we're going into the jail to go, we're not the answer and we're not going to save them. You know, ultimately God is the only one who can save and transform a life, but we can be involved in the process through our surrender. I love what you said earlier. When you give it to God, he'll give it back to you. That is such a powerful principle for all of our life when we surrender. And whenever we come to that place of just obedience, just simple obedience, God. God will bless and move because in those moments it's for his glory and we're just like along for the ride. So I love I love that. All right. So uh, Tetelestad House is a home for women coming out of prison and it provides them a safe place to restart their life. How often do you see women going back into the system after leaving Tetelestad House?
1: You know, as I said, each individual woman is different. Um we we have so many people ask us, um, what are your statistics? How many do you see succeed? And each time a woman comes into the door, we look at our mission and our mission is to share with them who Jesus is, what he did for them and who they can become in him. So our mission is filled every single time anyone walks through the door. That's what we try to share. Um, but we are watching women complete our program um, with full time jobs. Uh, we had a, a graduate recently get married and she has started her family. She texted me the other day, she just bought her first brand new car. Um, so we're seeing things like that happen. And then unfortunately, we do see women that that go back into a lifestyle that make a choice that takes them back. Um, but, but that that is us. That is life. And and I don't know about you, but I'm not sinless. And, and there are choices every day that I make that I'm like, Lord, forgive me, um, unfortunately, Sometimes theirs are a little more serious choices and it takes them back down that road of addiction or back into that jail. But I see jail in my life. I see incarceration as the whale in Jonah's life. It was my salvation. Um, God got me to a point that he needed to get me to save me. And and we never know what it's going to take for each woman that comes through our door. We never know. So we share, we sow seeds, and we leave the harvest to him.
0: And I am so thankful you said that. That's actually why I asked that question, because I wanted to highlight the point that this is a journey for these ladies. It is a journey, just like our lives are full of a journey. We never know what's on the next side, but God always knows. And so we have to leave the outcomes to him. And so what a beautiful perspective. And that frees you up just to love them right where they are and to trust God with their future.
1: Yes. And it wasn't always like that. The first resident that left, I sat on the porch and I cried and I quit and I wasn't going to do it anymore. And, And God said, yes, you are. Right, right,
0: right. It's just a journey for all of us and trusting God and surrendering and then honestly just leveraging our lives and, and continuing to put our
1: hearts out there because I know your heart is involved in this. Yes. When a woman moves in, I tell her I, I'm going to give one hundred and ten percent to you. I, I'm putting in all and and you do the work. Uh, I tell them we're, we're hopping into a hole and, and I've been here before, so I'm going to hold the light and you're going to dig. Um, but, but I'm here with you. That's so
0: that's so good. That's, again, the picture of the body of Christ. All right. So if somebody wants to connect with you in order to partner with you through prayer or through giving or actually hands on volunteering, how do they get in contact with you?
1: So we have a website at Um We also are on Facebook. Um, we are right now building a new ministry house. The one we're in is currently on loan and it's limited us to growth. And unfortunately, there's not a shortage of women coming out of incarceration. But God has graciously supplied us with a piece of land to build a ministry-owned home that will empower us to reach even more women and reach out to our community on a greater level. Um, So you can visit our website. There are many ways that you can get involved. We have um, Bibles for Inmates on our website. We provide study Bibles to inmates throughout the state of Arkansas. Uh, You can also donate to our building fund, which we're currently in in process of building, or you can donate to our general fund, which just operates our everyday functioning. As I'm listening
0: to your story, I am just so excited about what God is doing. And I just wonder, is there ever like this pinch me moment for you where you're going, I can't even believe that this is the life that God
1: is allowing me to live? So on the way down here I kept pinching myself thinking I cannot even believe I'm on the way to do a radio show uh, about to tell a just what God has done in my life. You know, I wake up every day and I have the opportunity to take my Bible to work, to kiss my husband and to thank God for my children and it's just a life that I didn't see coming. You know, when I in that 16 years of addiction, I just felt so trapped and so lost and I felt like there was no way out. But with God, all things are possible, no matter where you're at, no matter what you do. Amen, well,
0: for you listening today, if you're struggling with addiction or if you know someone who's struggling with addiction, I pray that the words that have been shared on this program will be an encouragement to you that there is a way out and that when we give things to God, He finds a way to bless them and to give them back to us. And so Tracy, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for leveraging your life for the gospel. And thank you for being a picture of God's redemption and his grace. This episode of Inspire On The Go is over, but we hope you'll be back next Monday for the latest episode. In the meantime, you can visit absc.org forward slash inspire podcast to find more episodes and ways to connect with Andrea. Also, if you're in Central Arkansas, you can find Andrea's radio show Truth On The Go at 93.3 The Fish and 99.5 Faith Talk Radio on Sunday mornings.